0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeppy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. For real, this time. Mm. Om nom nom. Out in the secret garden. My lilies are about to bloom. And I have a red rose that's just going gangbusters. Everybody's looking lovely out here. Today is Friday, June 28th, so last podcast of June, right? Our mornings are so pretty. I know I keep saying this, but maybe I should bring the laptop out here and try... Sitting and working. That is one thing about habituating to the treadmill desk is that now it is very difficult for me to sit and work. Um, even sitting and reading is kind of hard for me. I've been thinking about like, trying to find a way to walk and read or stand and read. Um, I never would have thought that that would be the case, but it really has become. Uh, it's a funny thing all, so much of that is habit. So let's see here. Well, I had an, an okay day yesterday. It was a, kind of a funny piecemeal day. Um, I got my notes back from Agent Sarah on the new shiny around m- midday, um, early afternoon. So I've been. I was kind of waiting on her. I was also... Doing some businessy things and picking away at this story or not story, this thing I was writing. So, my friend Dorinda Jones is being the Toastmaster at Bubanacon. I think she's Toastmaster or Guest of Honor. One should know these things, I suppose. Anyway, at uh, Bubanacon in August, and I'm going to miss it because I'll be at Worldcon. But Oh, I talked about this yesterday, didn't I? I was muzzy-headed yesterday. I don't know why, for no good reason. Some days are just like that. Anyway, I had to write that intro for her. Craig had asked me, who runs the con, had asked me if I would write this introduction. And it's just 475 to 800 words. But man, that was hard to do. Uh, You know, it could be serious or tongue-in-cheek or a mix of both. And who wants to read something that's totally serious? So I was really wanting to convey a sense of who Dorinda is because she had suggested me to write it. And obviously they want something more than the formal bio. They want someone who's a friend who knows her. And I'm sure that's why Dorinda suggested me. So then, you know, it just becomes this thing of what, what can you reveal to people that will be You know, tell them something that's not in the official stuff, but that also isn't an an invasion. Um, And make it be funny in ways that Dorinda will feel is funny. Uh, And, you know, because it's easy to be mean. I mean, I don't, not that I want to be mean, but there are some jokes that you can make that are painful to the person. And I wouldn't want to hurt her in any way. So, I really was struggling with, uh, you know, sort of that person looking over my shoulder. You know, it's like I was very keenly aware of her reading what I wrote. So, now I have renewed respect for people who can write roasts. Uh, That is, wow, a very fine art of being able to roast somebody in a way that they will appreciate and come away feeling seen and loved without being... Um, mocked or hurt. So I still have lots of time on it, but I did finish writing it yesterday and I'm going to sort of let it simmer a while. I'm going to come back to it a few times and look it over. And I've been very uh, cognizant of wondering if I should show it to her. And I keep going back and forth on that because part of me wants her approval But the other part feels like, well, it should be a surprise. Um, So I'm waffling on that. And yeah, yesterday was just one of those days that I, you know, I was kind of working on that. But otherwise, I didn't get a whole lot done. Uh, You know, and maybe it was just a down day. I ended up looking at social media way too much. I know I got some other things done, but I can't imagine what they are now. <laughs> and I did go out last night uh, over to Megan Mulry's house and sat with her and Charlie on the patio and drank bubbly. And that was really wonderful. We watched the sunset, the sky was just gorgeous. Their patio is so pretty. Charlie's got his orchard planted. And so they're just so happy. And that was fun. I- it was uh, really took some catching up to do. Uh, we had catching up to do, so that was nice to just sit and have that time to do that. So the notes from Sarah, um, she really likes the the new beginning. Um, she needs wants me to cut a little bit of the introspection. Make it move a little faster, but then go ahead and write up to a particular scene, which I think will be the end of Act 1, and flesh out the synopsis. She's off on vacation today, and she says she's really going to take a email and social media hiatus. So good for her on that, huh? So I'll have that ready for her. I'm going to work on that for the next week or so and get that um I think I'm just going to go ahead and write and then I'll go back and streamline and fill in. It's it's difficult to to layer in world-building details and keep the plot in action moving because you have people have to have enough that they know what's going on but you also <laughs> You know, there, there can be too much mulling, too much thinking, and too much um, what Sarah was saying was, you know, why would she be thinking about these thoughts about the world that she knows? And I don't 100% agree on all of it because I think that is part of how we look at things. Or, you know, even with my podcast here, I look around at the Arbor every day, you know, and, and this is a world I know, and I observe things about it all the time, partly for you guys, but also for myself. By the way, the bluebirds are gone. The The babies did fledge yesterday. We saw one sitting on the ground, but then it took off, so it seemed to be doing well. So they have flown the coop, as it were. They, As soon as the babies fledge, they move away from the nest box, I think, to avoid predators. There was a jay around yesterday. I kept chasing it off because I think it was trying to get the fledglings. That's the cycle of life, right? So, you know, it's just uh it's difficult with writing science fiction and fantasy to layer in that world building. And I do see readers comment on stuff like that where they will say, Well, it's the first book, so the world building made it slow. And it's like, yeah, I'll ask for that. Movies, you know, have an, such an easier time of that because in a movie, you know, you can do that pan shot and show things and in writing we're always saying oh you know try to show not tell but you know easier said than done because frankly we are telling you know that's a a little bit of a precious phrase that a whole lot of people don't understand you know and there's the great i forget uh who said it now some famous author said um don't tell me the moon was out. Show me the glint of moonlight on broken glass. You know, and it's like, okay, but, you know, at a certain point, even that becomes a little precious. You know, you can only have so much glinting moonlight on broken glass, and sometimes you just have to tell things. And besides which, we're, we're using words to create images. So there's that. But one thing I did want to talk about today is, and it's something I've mentioned repeatedly, but I do think it's an interesting, it's, it's a recurrent concept, is figuring out where to start the story. And I know that I have brought this up a number of times because somebody was very offended on another author's behalf that they were criticized for not criticized, that their story critique, uh, somebody critiqued the story and said that it wasn't starting in the right place. Actually, I was one of those people who, who said, No, I think you're not starting the story in the right place. And I, it was never intended to be as offensive as it was taken. And one of the justifications for the story author's great offense was that she was a published author, as if that somehow exempts you from ever having to think about where to start a story again. And, oh, honey. (laughs) Oh, honey is now my new favorite phrase. Oh, honey. Uh, If only. I would love it if I just, like, had that down and never had to think about it again. Um, You know, I would also like it if we had universal health care and enough rain for everyone (laughs) and maybe a sparkle pony with every book. But those things ain't happening. So what happened with the new shiny was Sarah came back and said, "Uh, I think you've started in the wrong place. And I was annoyed. I mean, it's always annoying when people tell you that it's not right, especially because it means more work. She said, I think you should start it with this scene. I said, okay. And I said, now my great hesitation with starting at that scene is, will we understand her motivation? And Sarah said, oh, yeah, you can weave that in. So I've I've been doing that. I've been weaving it in. and, And it is working. It is working fine. And it is absolutely the right place to start the story. It's just working much better and that is when i get it's it's kind of a knee-jerk irritation at sarah or anyone who reads your story and says oh here's a problem for you to fix but this is exactly why i love having sarah as an agent this is This is one of the key things that she brings to the table. So even when she tells me, well, you have a little too much introspection, Jeffy. She even said, imagine me standing over your shoulder saying, faster, make it faster, cut that, make it faster. She said, and you can throw annoyed glances over your shoulder at me because I'm going to be on vacation. (laughs) Uh, I really do love her. She's amazing. But that is what I need. I need some... Somebody to say, make it faster, cut this introspection, um, and to to say, start the story here. Having someone able to tell you, I think you start should start the story with this, is, I swear, one of the greatest gifts there is. If you get that feedback from somebody, if they say, I think you've started the story in the wrong place, listen to that if they go a step further and say here's where i think you should start it then oh my god listen listen to that but there's a bunch of noise out on the road i can't see it because i'm behind the wall might be trucks coming in for a movie shoot they park over in this sort of vacant lot down the way and they like to come in this way must be an easier turn for the big trucks or something. They bring in these, like, you know, with the big tractor trailers and stuff. It is kind of cool living in a state where the movie industry is a big factor. You see all kinds of interesting things. So, so yeah. Um, I don't know why that's so hard for writers to figure out. I'm sure there are people who are brilliant at it. Every author seems to have their thing that they have no problem with. Uh, you know, some people are brilliant with titles, some people suck at titles. I'm sure there are people who know exactly the right place to start a story. I am not one of those people. And and it changes too with fashion, and readers. You will note this because occasionally you'll go back, you'll read something from. Even, you know, like from the 80s or 90s, and it will, it'll be really hard to get into, right? This happens to me all the time with Kushiel's uh, Dart by Jacqueline Carey, which is, you know, that's one of my all-time favorite trilogies, very, very thick fantasy trilogy. I like the ensuing books as well. But Kushiel's, I think it's Kushiel's Legacy, or is that the second group? It doesn't matter. Anyway, that first trilogy ha- will always be near and dear to my heart. And so I will recommend it. You know, people will say, oh, I heard those were good. I've never read them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to read them. Go, go read them. You will love this. And people will come back to me a week later and they'll say, Jeffy, I can't get into this book. And it, the beginning is so slow. Oh, Jacqueline, it's so slow. It is so slow. I feel like I need a joke for this, a Rodney Dangerfield sort of joke. Um, it is so slow that I finally figured out, I, I pulled out my copy, and I started telling people, just skip the first 200 pages, which gives you an I think it's like 800 pages, the first book. <laughs> you can really skip the first 200 pages and be fine. And it takes you right. And that's really where the story starts. You know, and we talk about what is the inciting action in fantasy or the hero's journey. We'll talk about the call to action. So we want to show a little bit of their life before, and then the call to action. Um, and in modern The modern era, and I think this is largely because of games and movies, a lot of the digital media, you know, like um, it used to be that credits were at the beginning of the movie, back in the day, and now they never have credits at the beginning of the movie. In fact, some movies, they don't even show the title until the end of the movie because they figure you know what it is, and they plunge you immediately into the action. There's very little um, life before a lot of times what they'll do is have, they'll have some sort of startling scene first and then move you into uh, life before. There's not much room for to ease into the story these days. And it can be a conundrum for a writer because, especially if you're taking the reader into another world, you want to ease them into matching the pace of that world. And that's one reason that... We love to read science fiction and fantasy. Is that we want? I paused there. I probably accidentally paused for um, mermaid singing, so at least you missed that. Anyway, that's why we love science fiction and fantasy. Is we want to immerse in those worlds, and so you do have to bring the reader in and adjust them to the pace of that world for the full immersion. Uh, but you have to do it fast. <laughs> It's not easy. It's really um, one of those things that you're forever working on. I know that the beginning of Orchid Throne is slow. Um, Probably slower than it should have been. Uh, I didn't realize that Leah would be as difficult to get to know as she apparently is. Um, But a number of people have commented on that. But people are also reading and loving the book, so... I mean, they're making it through, it's just, yeah, I have to imagine Sarah standing over my shoulder saying, go faster, Jeffy. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, um. I, I I know I've talked about this a lot, but it's, you know, the whole Jacqueline Terry Cushiel's Dart, which is a brilliant book in a brilliant trilogy, is a great example. Because, really, those first two hundred pages, she doesn't need them. Uh, and I, and people have skipped. They've skipped to where I've told them to, and i I'd have to look at the exact page. But that's where things really begin to happen. And all of the long, lovely sensual world building that she has before that, um, you know, I say, well, you know, if you feel like you, once you love everybody, then you can go back and and read it and wallow in it. but, Really, you don't need it to understand anything that's going on. She sets up a fundamental relationship in the first 200 pages that becomes critical later, but you don't need it. I, you know, she, she could do it without. There are other places where that relationship gets set up with Hyacinth, for those of you who read it. I mean, really, that is the, you know, she, she explains the world and grows Phaedra up. And establishes the friendship with Hyacinth. And that's almost all that happens in the first 200 pages. And I remember even reading it the first time, I was really chomping at the bit for when was she finally going to get to be an actual courtesan. So there you have it. So, anyway, that's, I have, um, nearly given up on worrying about where I start a book. I just start it so it'll start because if you worry about it too much, you won't start. And then you just uh, go from there. And then as soon as somebody says, oh, I think you should really start it here, then just jump on that. You know, be irritated if you want to. There's nothing wrong with that. And then move on with your life and start where they think you should. (laughs) It's always good advice. So that's it. Happy Friday, you all. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday in July. Take care. Bye-bye.